So we were just geeking out, Brian and I, about different topics that we want to talk about for this episode. And I think where we landed through a bunch of different anecdotes <laughs> was why is marketing so hard? And I think this is something that a lot of people have misconceptions about. I think people underestimate how difficult marketing is going to be. And from my world, that comes from like the B2B SaaS software startup space. There's conventional wisdom that I would say is largely incorrect in terms of like protecting your ideas and not sharing them with people and stuff like that because they're going to steal them, run with them and become overnight billionaires, which pretty much never happens. So the risk there is essentially zero. But I think the underlying message there my is NDA. Yeah, not understanding how, or how hard it's going to be to get people to even understand whatever it is that you're doing. And I think that largely speaks to how hard marketing is. It's it's one of those things, and and uh, in many ways, I've learned uh, a lot of this uh, working with um, with one of the brands that you you're running, um, and it is it is it is perpetual discovery, right? Marketing is is as much a practice as any of the other professions that require years and years of degree work, and the reason I bring it up in that context is. Even if you understand the basics, even if you know how to use all of the tools, even if you know the right, the exact right time and place to put advertising together, what you're always doing is discovery with your buyer. And the buyers for the same, ostensibly the same service across different companies are different because every buyer persona that you're going after is different. So that that is like a it's always moving uh, target. So how, you know, in, in your work, particularly in the product space, that becomes very interesting very quickly. How do you take um, that discovery process and systematize it in a way that you're not reinventing the wheel every single time? Yeah, this is a good point. And so getting comfortable with the continuous discovery process is critical for the work that I do and people that are trying to build B2B SaaS type businesses but it influences everything. I call it copy to conversations. So anything that you might write anywhere, this is like marketing content, right? You might write articles about topics to educate your audience or whatever, what you might write on your website to try to help people understand what it is you do, how you're going to help them all the way to and through what you say when you're actually talking to people, if that's part of your sales process or whatever. But this discovery effort influences all of that. You need to understand things like telling your sales story. That's a concept I got out of a book written by April Dunford, who's pretty big in the product space, and she focuses on positioning. It's fantastic. Um, and it breaks it down, breaks what you are trying to do down into, right? Like a lot of people are often trying to do like a series of three steps, figuring out how you get systematic about what you're trying to do in moving something from point A to point B, like along in the process kind of way. So the discovery influences all of this kind of stuff. And then you've got strategies and tactics you can leverage to try to move the needle to make sure you're actually making progress. But you've got to continually measure the performance and make sure that you're driving towards the right thing. Because otherwise, I think a lot of the effort invested here has a tendency to be like spray and pray. or just all over the place without a whole lot of purpose, like a meaningful like purpose and intent to try to ensure that you're running the right type of experiment at the right time to try to solve a specific problem. So I would leverage those as much as you can, but I like always working backwards from what it is we're trying to accomplish, right? What are you trying to do? 
um, get clear on your goals first and then start figuring out what the strategies or tactics might be to help you make progress towards them. It leads us to some some very interesting uh, places that I want to kind of dwell on a little bit. Um, one of them is uh, obviously you're never done that, right? The discovery yep. is continuous. You just said it already. Product's never done. Discovery's never done. That's just like get used to that. Like you need to fall in love with that process because if you ever stop, that can be the beginning of the end when it comes to all of these things. So, so then how let's, this is a very nuanced question, I suppose, and, and, and super interesting, I think for uh, our listeners, but how do you distinguish when a problem uh, that you're facing in the marketing space is discovery versus execution, right? How do I know when I don't have enough information about my ICP or about their buyer behavior, or I haven't done enough of the the analysis work um, versus like my ad is poorly written or my my web copy is poorly written. Help me out here. Yep, yeah. So this is where I've developed processes to help people understand how to contextualize all this and they make sense of it, right? It's always helpful when we have like a guide to follow. And some of this stuff can feel a little bit too much like magic for folks, especially someone with like a technical background like me. So I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to build something awesome and then I'm going to be rich, right? Like that's that's how it works. I don't need to tell anyone about it. Man, I feel like I'm still naive, but back then it was way worse. <laughs> so this stuff is really important and you got to get it right. And it takes, like you said, it's like learning an instrument or a language or whatever. Like you're constantly trying to master it and get better at it and learn things along the way. But as part of the discovery process we do in the product world, or at least the one I recommend, it's like, we're trying to figure out and make sure that we're focused on the top problem, number one, because oftentimes people lead with solutions and that's trouble because we're just assuming that what it is we're bringing to market or whatever is going to provide value. And that's oftentimes not the case if you don't have great context in the problem space. And that's where discovery can really influence that. So if you do the discovery in the problem space, you can follow a process that I use, which is like what we look at to try to figure out where we might build a software solution is what are the steps in the process for our target market buyer customers in terms of what it is they're trying to do? Like, what are the steps along the critical path of their operations? Maybe it's, you know, an automotive manufacturing facility. Like, I just think of it's easy to visualize, right? Like plant operations where you're making cars, right? And you've got stations along the assembly line and one step puts on doors, one step puts on a windshield, whatever, right? And then of the, let's say there's 10 steps from, pile of parts in a frame to a car that rolls off the assembly line ready to be sold to a customer. Now you might go and just like immediately try to optimize step five where the windshield gets put on, but that might not be the bottleneck in the processes. And that's probably, that may not be the step that's taking the longest. So if you go optimize that step or try to build a solution and making that better for whatever reason, your ROI is going to be garbage because you're not focusing on the top problem which you probably would realize if you did more research and looked at all the steps is that a bottleneck may be step two or whatever, where the doors get put on, for example, and there's parts piling up and there's all kinds of issues there. So you want to focus there first, because if you start optimizing that, that's going to help you ship more cars, which is better output, which influences your outcome, which is we must sell more cars, right? Now you've got a systemic, a systematic process for doing something that moves the needle by starting in the right area. So for me, from everywhere from building the product to marketing the product starts with, are we focused on the top problem? Do we have all the context we need there to understand the patterns? And if we see a pattern in terms of, let's say we talk to like five to 10 target market customers, do we have at least three or four people 
that are consistently saying the same thing about the biggest problem to make sure that we're focused in the right area. And once you start to recognize these patterns, you can leverage it for what I was talking about before, which is like copy to conversations. Now I know what the patterns are. And I know for a particular target market, let's say I've got an ICP here for having these interviews with my ideal customer profile, and they have certain things in common. The type of work that they're doing is consistent and the type of problems they're having are as well. And I know the biggest problem experienced by the largest number of those customers. Once I know that, that influences the solution that I bring to market as well as how I tell the sales story, right? Which is just uh, so I can go over kind of the sales story and give you a little bit more detail. The way that works is like, do you as you know this ICP or persona have problem X? And if so, have you tried to solve it with solution Y? Then the punchline, the last piece of it is, wouldn't it be great if Z existed? Right. And Z in this case is your solution. So we work backwards from that. But you're now telling the story. And because you're following that format, that helps them understand that you get them, you know their top problem, you know how they're trying to solve that top problem, and you have workshopped arguably a better solution to that problem. And it helps them understand how that might actually move the needle for them. So a lot of these like process elements, these strategy components will help people. Think about breaking this down into something they can actually work on that produces some form of consistent results as opposed to just like scrambling and spinning wheels. Uh, speaking of spinning wheels, you know, this is a great a great time to bring in one of your favorite analogies, which is the um, uh, the noise in the uh, the wheels of your vehicle uh, needing a, um, a wheel balancing as opposed to an alignment. Um, oftentimes the customer misdiagnoses what they need. And so their search queries and their, their demands are going to be different than what they tell you in discovery, right? So mm -hmm. in the discovery process, you're going to get to whatever root cause or, or, or whatever meaningful deep-seated pain you're trying to solve. You're going to get there, uh, but it's not going to change what they do on, you know, Monday morning when they start typing in those, what they perceive their issues to be on Google. So how do you connect those dots through that content conversation to get folks from that maybe suboptimal search query to your product or service? Yeah, it's a good one too, because like you said, people misdiagnose, they try to workshop solutions and focus on you know wrong problems and all kinds of stuff. So it's not the cut, the good way to think about it is it's not the customer's job to be thinking through the better solution. That's your job, right? You're providing a better solution, but you all, you need to understand what the proper problem is and how it manifests. And when I say manifests, I mean how they think of it in their head. So that example you gave is tale that I'm telling all the time when I used to work as a mechanic and the older mechanics were you know, imparting wisdom on me. They would say, don't listen to what the customer thinks the solution is. Listen to what the customer is describing as the problem. Because they come in, they stay, my, my steering wheel is vibrating. I need an alignment. Sometimes they wouldn't even say the steering wheel vibrate. They just come in and say, I got to have an alignment. And they'd be adamant about it. And if we just gave them an alignment, it would not solve their problem because that's not what fixes that problem. So if instead you ask them why they think they want an alignment, they say, well, it's because my steering wheel is vibrating, right? That's the real underlying problem. So they jumped to solution. They weren't focusing on problem. It's your job to make sure you're focusing on the right problem because the solution at the end of the day is balancing your wheels, not doing anything with the alignment. But if the customer gets a car back and the steering wheel still vibrates, it doesn't matter what you did, they're going to be frustrated. But if you get the car back and it doesn't, they're also probably not going to care what you did to solve it. <laughs> so that's what, you, that's what you need to kind of understand. 
and then telling the story, the marketing piece and why this is difficult is because you need to understand, like if people are either complaining about a vibrating steering wheel or demanding an alignment, you want to get in front of both of those audiences, even though your solution is not an alignment, right? You, you have a solution to the problem that they're really having, but they're describing the problem in a different way, or they may be searching for the wrong solution. But as soon as you identify those patterns, now you can capture that audience. And if your competitors don't know about these strategies or how like human psychology works in these instances, that's a huge advantage for you. Interesting, because that psychology conversation starts to manifest in a couple different places, right? It also comes into the conversations about how you're selecting channel partners. So mm -hmm. when you're trying to help find folks that can go to market kind of with you or proximate to you or are regularly interfacing with your ideal client market, now you're in a position where you really get to do a little bit of the out of the box kind of thinking with trying to figure out, hey, where can I talk to? What's the story I can tell a channel partner then? to get in front of the ideal client. It's how you're going to build your referral network in a meaningful way. And so I think it's it's this process, this artistic process that this is, for as much science as there, there's always a, a fair amount of creativity as well. And that's why we're in this perpetual cycle as marketers trying to figure out how to solve some of these more complicated problems. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-I-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done-for-you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks.